Hello, and thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host, Amy Stewart. I'm the Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN, and I'm very excited to be here today with Dr. David Gifford, who is the Chief Medical Officer at the American Healthcare Association National Center for Assisted Living. Dr. Gifford, I am so thrilled that you took the time to join us this morning. Welcome. Oh, it's great to be with you, Amy. Thank you. So 2020 is behind us. We're looking ahead to 2021. And as you know, we represent a number of nurses as our members. And yeah, I guess I want to start off with asking, what do you think our nurse leaders and our nurses in our nursing homes should expect this year as far as policy change or even looking ahead to post-vaccination? Well, you know, it's really been a uh, <laughs> really challenging, need I say, 12 months. And I think it's really tested the long-term care industry in ways we've never been tested before. And tested individuals grit through this. And I think uh, nurses have probably had to deal with and see things that, you know, you don't necessarily expect to see or you don't see on a regular daily basis. And so I think that that one of the things is we're going to have to figure out how to recover from that. Um, And that recovery uh, shouldn't be minimized. The problem is it's not like this sort of a hurricane, a fire, or, you know, a devastating emergency where it comes and goes and then you deal with the recovery afterwards. This virus is here to stay. And so I think there's going to be a sort of a new normal with that as we go forward. What does it mean? I think that there's going to be all sorts of continued sort of stories and investigations and reports and studies out there about us that will have to deal with it. But I think the day-to-day actions of what we're doing at the bedside, that's going to need to continue. And it's not going to be the way it was before. I think we were seeing changes before COVID with, you know, the growing number of multidrug resistant organisms out there, the C. aureus, highly resistant fungus that was coming along. CDC was starting to talk about, you know, enhanced barrier precautions that if you had anyone on your unit with a multidrug resistant organism or C. diff or any of these things that you had to have a mask, gown and gloves uh, for everyone on the unit. And that was all starting before COVID. I think those types of practices are going to need to continue afterwards. We know before COVID that every winter, influenza and then the common cold was devastating to our residents. I think screening people for viral symptoms, staying home from work, thinking more about that spread, more about wearing masks because that works for any viral upper respiratory infection, are going to be the new norm. And I think what we'll see is probably a lot, a decrease in a lot of spread of viral illnesses. I mean, we've hardly seen people getting sick with viral colds and influenza during this COVID outbreak because we're all washing our hands and wearing masks and staying apart. COVID just is a little bit more infectious and really hard to control. And because it spreads asymptomatically, it's been just almost impossible to control with that. So I think that those are going to be some of the changes we see out here. You know, you talked about COVID being here to stay, and I want to I want to go back and talk a little bit about that because I think one of the struggles 
that people have, not just the nurses in the nursing home or staff in the nursing home, but also the visitors as well, believe that here we have this vaccine, this vaccine has come along. If everybody just gets the vaccine, we can just go back to life as normal. And I know it's a struggle for our nursing homes. What advice or words of wisdom can you share with them, you know, as they're addressing family, especially family concerns when family comes up and says, well, if you had everybody vaccinated, why can't you just open the doors and let everybody in? And why do we have to continue to wear masks and social distance and et cetera? Well, I mean, I think the family members and everyone else has a, and, and the nurses I talk to have a really reasonable question, which is if everyone's vaccinated, why aren't we letting people mm-hmm. get back to normal exactly. and do exactly what we're doing before? And I think the, uh, we could, but if we did that, we would see probably some viral spread and people getting infected and dying. Now, the question is, is do you lock everyone down and lock them in a room again and don't do anything? No, I mean, I think that's too extreme as well. And we've seen the devastating consequence that's had out there. I think we know that the vaccine is not 100% effective. We are already hearing reports of people who have been vaccinated in nursing home residents who are getting the vaccine again. There was just a report the other day from CDC and the MMWR from a facility in Kentucky that had two large outbreaks more than 90 days apart and five residents got infected a second time and one of them died. So I think we're going to have to be more attuned to infection control spread and more attuned to what we do with that. And, and, you know, we've looked at some of the data and the number of deaths that go up in January and February every year in nursing homes and assisted living is quite high because of not just the flu, but just the regular colds. And so I think well, we're going to have to figure out how to be better at wearing masks when people have symptoms, better at screening people for issues out there. It doesn't mean everyone who has to do it all the time at the same level we're doing it now, but I think that we're going to need to sort that out. I think certainly we're going to allow visitors in. We'll allow all the things, but I think precautions about screening, precautions about who's been vaccinated and who's not been vaccinated and wearing masks are going to be part of the new normal going forward. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I myself have quite a collection of masks and it keeps growing because I don't see this uh, going away anytime soon either. You talk about infection control and there's so much emphasis on infection control. And, you know, when I talk to nurses, you know, especially nurse leaders, directors of nursing and those in the VP level, they're doing everything they can to educate on infection control and go back and look at all of the various policies centered around infection control and educate on those policies. But is there anything else that the nurses can do to help prepare for the next, I don't know, six to nine months and get their teams in shape too? Well, I think, you know, what was becoming part of the new normal before COVID, and I think COVID is revealed this at a much higher level is that we're going to be getting new guidance on a regular basis and how do you adapt and make changes to new guidance out there mm-hmm. you know and so i think the question is, is how do you have a systems and processes in place for communicating changes in guidance changes in resident conditions changes in what's going out there i think before this we were seeing a number of facilities 
looking at how they use huddles, you know, huddles during the shift, huddles that change a shift. It's a very effective way to doing that. We know that peer-to-peer monitoring or coaching is a really key aspect to facilities that are high reliability, high safety facilities. And we have to look at those practices and that culture to figure out how to do good infection control. And so how are you having staff monitor each other on hand washing, mask wearing, donning and doffing of PPE, and doing that in a coaching constructive way, not the way we sort of been indoctrinated from the surveyors, which is come in sight and punish. And we know that pre-COVID, that facilities that had peer coaching and peer monitoring of hand washing had hand washing rates of 75, 80% or higher, whereas facilities that didn't have that had hand washing rates of 50% or less. And I think what COVID has been so hard is you have to have hand washing and mask wearing and stuff in the 99% or higher range, which is just really hard to do. So you have to look at that high reliability sort of practices. And that's where it's about creating a culture and environment where everyone's working with each other, because this is not a knowledge deficit problem. This is a reminder problem. This is a learning how to, you know, use things exactly correctly. So you might go through a class, but you don't remember quite everything. You don't know how to apply it. It's going to require that process. So having that type of system set up will help you that whenever we learn something new, it can quickly diffuse through your organization and get implemented quickly. That's great advice. I really appreciate it. I know if I go and, for example, sometimes I can go two weeks without leaving my house. Well, I did that recently and I walked into an office building here in town and I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my mask? It's in my pocket. You know, so it's like you said, it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just, you know, you just have these moments. Like I've been a nurse for 25 years. I know I needed to wear my mask. I just hadn't left my house where I had to wear a mask. So it's just like I got out of the habit, I guess, if you will. But I like what you said about needing to be 99% or 100% with hand washing and the coaching. I think that's great to, you know, have like CNAs coaching each other and reminding each other in a gentle way and not in a punitive way. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you think nurse leaders need to be working on today or need to know today to prepare for the next, say, six, nine months? I'd say there are two additional things it's worth talking about that I think COVID unmasked and talked about it. One is that all of our infection control practices were predicated on this idea of both symptom-based, but also on preventing the pathogen from spreading from the patient or the resident to the healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. And then we wouldn't spread it to other people. I mean, if you think back to the original sort of issues of germ theory came from hand washing and OB and spreading bacteria between deliveries and nursing between seeing patients. You bring the infection onto your hand and you bring it to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we sort of started that whole theory of infection control. And it's, it's really just sort of grown from there. COVID really has raised a question about that because we're seeing a lot of spread staff to staff which eventually, if you're not 99% effective with the residents, you will end up affecting some of your residents. But there's been you know, an equal number of staff getting affected as there are residents. The numbers are almost exactly the same. 
And we'll see outbreaks in facilities where it's all just amongst the staff, because I think we're getting much, much better at preventing spread from staff to resident. But we're seeing people not follow infection control practices and distancing and mask wearing when they're in the break room uh, eating or outside smoking together. Those activities are at the nurse's station because before we were worried about the patient to healthcare worker, not healthcare worker to healthcare worker spread. And I think we have to look at that whole system because, you know, viruses, they don't really care who has the job title or where it is. It's just as long as people are interacting, you'll see the spread. The same with we focused on nurses and CNAs. Well, housekeeping and dietary and maintenance, they're all moving around the building, going in and out of rooms. We need to worry about them just as much as we're worrying about the nursing, CNAs, physical therapy, doctors who are going in and out. And I think that that's been sort of one angle on that. The second, I think, is, you know, we tend to do everything patient to patient. Mm -hmm. This infection control really requires you to look not at what's happening in each individual patient or resident that we're taking care of, but how do we look sort of globally at what the issues are in tracking systems and sorting them through. And so, Inventory management for PPE is going to be huge. Inventory management of test supplies is going to be big. Inventory management in general has not been a forte of our setting before. And I think we're going to have to figure out how to have good inventory management. Tracking who's been vaccinated and when they've been vaccinated and who's not vaccinated and what to do and what the infection rates are in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, every year, the public health announces influenza rates and we change our practices and testing frequency based on the influenza in the community. We're going to have to do the same thing with COVID now. And so understanding what's happening at that sort of community COVID level and inventory management and tracking and who's got what and who hasn't is going to be a key aspect of practice. That's something we, I think, historically have not done very well and done very much of. And I think this is going to it's a component of QAPI. And so I think it's, you know, all the things we are working towards, just we're gonna have to do more and quicker because of COVID. Right. And like what you said about, you know, the QAPI piece, and I've actually, when when I've spoken on this topic, I've asked nurse leaders to, you know, consider adding a piece to your infection control surveillance you know, you really, especially right now, it's never been more important than right now to look at your community, what's in your community, what's being spread in your community. And I, it seems simple, you know, to, to keep your eye on that. But I think nurse leaders, we're so focused on what's going on in our individual buildings that we just keep focusing on, you know, just that bubble and forget to look beyond that bubble to see what's going on in our community. I really appreciate your time today, Dr. Gifford. This has been very, very helpful information. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. For more updates on regulation requirements and changes, you can also follow me on Twitter at amys_aadns and subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast. You're invited to refresh, renew, and refocus at the APACAN 2021 virtual conference this April 14th and 15th and April 21st and 22nd. Get ready for the new year and entirely new type of virtual event. Registration is now open. Members of ANAC, 
AADNS, and a PACN save 50%. Learn more and register today at aapacn.org. 